On today's episode of Gibbons Leads, we are spotlighting our incredible conversation with Dr. Leo Lambert, former president of Elon University. He served as president for over 20 years and led the school through two decade-long strategic plans. Because of his leadership, Elon established a national reputation for academic excellence, innovative programs and study abroad, undergraduate research, leadership, interfaith dialogue, civic engagement, and community service. He is currently serving as a professor and is actually teaching classes on leadership and organizational change. We are honored to have had the opportunity to talk with him and spend time with him, and we hope you enjoy this conversation as much as we did. We are so honored and lucky to be interviewing Dr. Leo Lambert. He is currently the President Emeritus of Elon University, my alma mater. I also know Mr. Nolan here has some ties to Elon University as well. His wife attended there. Many of our mutual friends attended Elon. My husband attended Elon and played basketball there. Um, so we're big fans of the school. And you know, I know that leadership is a big part of Dr. Lambert's legacy. And we're really excited to, to ask him a few questions today and get a feel for his view of leadership and some of those really pivotal experiences that has shaped him on his own leadership journey. So thank you, Dr. Lambert, for joining us today. It's my, it's my great pleasure to, to be with you both. Thanks for having me. Hey, Dr. Lambert, how are you? Hey, Brent, I'm well. How are you doing? I'm doing really well. Well, good. It's good to hear your voice. I've got a, I've got a wife that's an Elon alum. I've got a couple of best friends that are Elon alums, and I actually come to more Elon homecomings than I do my own uh, alma mater. <laughs> well, we will adopt you then. <laughs> I'm, officially, yes. I'm officially adopted. He's an, honorary, he's an honorary phoenix, that is for sure. There you go. There you go. Where did you go to college? I went to East Carolina. Oh, great. Yeah. Well, first to start us off, you know, I can attest to what a wonderful Elon experience I had. And I know much of that is part of strategic planning and and much of your legacy during your 20 years there and and your two 10-year strategic plans that you led in that process. I know I could go on and on about what makes Elon special, but why don't you tell us from your view, what do you think is so special about Elon and the experience that students get to have there? Well, I think if I were to summarize it in a word, that word would be relationships. I think this is a place that students come to and they form powerful, lifelong relationships with faculty mentors, with staff mentors, with influential peers that help students discern what their place is in the world and what they're good at and what they have to offer the world that is that is meaningful. College should be much more than a series of transactions, picking a major, deciding which classes to register for every semester, having a certain GPA. College is really about asking the big, important, meaningful questions of life. Who am I? What are my gifts to the world? What do I have to offer? And those big questions are best asked um, in relationship with with mentors and peers who are help you going help you figure out the answers to those questions for yourself. So this is a place that students come and and I think will will find people who are ready and willing and anxious to engage with them. And, and that's so very important. Um, it's, it's sad to talk to students who, 
college. When, and it, I think if you think about your your own personal experience here, Gabby, I would venture to say it's when you think back about Elon, it, it's not the campus that was the most meaningful thing, even though it's been voted the most beautiful campus in the country. Um, and it's, it's not even what major you studied. It's it's the people, was it not, that, that made the difference? And so my, my first answer would be relationships. My second answer would be a rich undergraduate education today ought to be filled with what we call high-impact practices, study abroad, internships, leadership opportunities, service learning opportunities, opportunities to get to learn to to write really well, to do undergraduate research with a faculty member. We know these experiences and, and many more like first year seminars and and senior capstone classes. These are these are transformational experiences for young people. And uh, Elon is a place that does them really, really well. We are the national leader in engaged and experiential learning. And so I think an undergraduate education here, therefore, is is particularly powerful, um, and that's that's the the second big thing I would I would recommend to you. And I, I mean, I definitely can agree with a lot of what you said. It's the people and those experiences that you listed. I was you know I had the opportunity to do undergraduate research. I had the opportunity to study abroad. I had some great relationships with my professors. Um, I did a lot of great leadership things, and that's helped me a lot in my experience now. Given so I can. Definitely attest to the things that you're saying um, that are really, really important. And I would say that also at, at our school here, it's something we're striving to provide um, early on so that when they get to the university setting, um, they will definitely be prepared for those experiences and, and really take advantage of those things. That's so important because you want to create expectations for that in, in secondary education and, um, and encourage your students to be going into college thinking about making making the very most of these four years as possible. Yeah, Dr. Lambert, uh, going back to the first thing you said on that question, uh, I had talked to a couple of my friends who are alumni before uh, we hopped on the call today, and I asked them kind of about their experiences with you, and, and so many of them had similar responses that he knows everybody, and everybody who knows him feels like somebody uh, when they're with him. Going back to relationships, how do you begin a great relationship? Well, you've mentioned one one thing already, and that is knowing someone's name is really important, Brent. You know that people like to hear their name, and they like to know they've they've been remembered. I think the second thing is that you know we live in a, a world with a lot of media in it, and a lot of things, particularly our phones, are mm-hmm. competing for our attention all the time. People like it when you engage with them, when you sit and and really listen and pay attention and make eye contact and, and hear what what people are saying. And and I and so it's a very it's a very simple thing. Um, sometimes it's harder to do, but simply pay attention when people are talking to you and, and make some notes about who this person is and what's important to them. Very basic stuff, but fundamentally important, I think, for anybody in leadership. Yeah. So 
I know that you know once you ended your your time as president, you spent some time, and you're currently, I think, still writing a book um, about mentoring. And so I know that's something that you're passionate about. So, you know, coming off of that conversation of relationships, tell us a little bit about how do you how do you find that mentor relationship? You know, our students, we encourage them a lot um, to to find a mentor. What advice do you have to really start that process for for our young students? That's a great question, and. I taught the Elon 101 freshman seminar this past fall, Gabby, for leadership fellows. And um, so the first day of class at Elon, my first Elon 101 class, I brought in Professor Maureen Vandermoss-Peeler from the psychology department and a young alumna from the university named Caroline Dean, who was her undergraduate research protege. And I, I wanted them to talk about their relationship in front of these first year students on their very first at their very first class at Elon ever. And and Caroline Dean, this this Maureen Vandermoss Peeler's student, talked about, you know, I cold emailed her at the beginning of sophomore year and said, I'm interested in this area that you're doing research in in psychology and would you be willing to have coffee with me? And Maureen being Maureen said, of course I would. I'd love to have coffee with you. And they, that relationship began with, with a cup of coffee. And it blossomed into international presentations that they did together and co-publishing articles together and Maureen recommending Caroline for graduate school. And, it, you know, those two will be bonded forever. It, it started with an email and it started with a cup of coffee. Things start important relationships start with very small steps. So I would advise students to go to class early and strike up a conversation with your teacher. Stay after class and strike up a conversation with your teacher uh, on a college campus or I even imagine on a high school campus. There are opportunities for students and faculty to have lunch together. Um, I think students need to to keep in mind that most faculty members are approachable. Faculty members love it when students come by their office for office hours. They're not intruding. That's what faculty are there for. And um, so my, my big headline advice here is students need to take a little bit of initiative to make these big things happen in their lives. And I think that's harder for some students if you're a if you're an introverted person or you, it's a little bit harder for you to meet people, you know, that's a, that's a bigger threshold for you to, to cross. But just bear in mind, people want you to be successful and they want to get to know you. So reach out and make the connection. That's great advice. That's great advice. Can you just maybe expand a little bit more, you know, of, of all of your experience that you've had and all the topics you could write on? I know you've written a book previously. Why is mentoring so important to you? Because you see, you see every day how important relationships are to, to people's lives, to changing the director, the trajectory of, of, of people's lives. The book that Peter Felton and I have just finished writing and doing research for, we had the opportunity to visit 29 campuses, and many of them are schools that are very different than Elon. Some of them were community colleges, some of them were very large public institutions like Florida International. Um, 
Um, some of them were big research universities like the University of Michigan and, and the University of, of um, Washington. Some of them were elite liberal arts colleges like, like Brown and, and Bryn Mawr. So we really covered the waterfront of American higher education. And at every kind of institution we went to, from open access to the very most selective, one thing that struck us was that on every campus there are some there are students who are one conversation away from leaving college. And it's the relationship that makes the critical difference. The faculty member stopping and listening to student who is having a bad day or helping a student get over a hurdle that in that moment seems insurmountable to that student. Um, relationships are the glue that hold our lives together and, and they're what help us figure out where we, where we need to go next as human beings. So one of the things that we, we try to do in this book is, is help young people understand that what they need to do is form what we call constellations of mentors. It's not just one person. You'll develop many people in your lives that, that are there for you, that know you, that can help you. And, and beyond that, that you will take advantage of what we call mentoring conversations or mentors of the moment. People that cross your path that at a, at a particular time say something particularly important to you that's meaningful that you needed to hear at that minute and so I think it's 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 very important to be explicit to students in high school and in college that this is one of the most important outcomes of education it's why the, the work that you two are doing in your school is is so important but we need to be very explicit with students that you know this is an outcome of of a good high school education. It's a good outcome, a critical outcome of a, a great undergraduate education as, as well. Um, if, if you go through an experience at Gibbons or an experience at Elon and, and it's been a relationship poor experience in either place, you've, you've completely missed the opportunity, right? You've missed the essence of what our two places are about. And so we've got to be very clear in, in helping students understand how important this is and how to go about doing it. That's fantastic advice. Fantastic advice. Yeah, Dr. Lambert, also we referenced a little bit about uh, what you've done over the last several years at Elon. And um, almost 20 years ago, I believe, when you presented your strategic plan for the direction that Elon was going, how was that received by others, and how did you maybe handle that? Well, um, I think uh, I think both strategic plans that Elon did under under my tenure as president held up really big stretch goals for the institution that were pretty audacious, um, and and so I think. Um, there were probably some people who quietly doubted whether or not we would get to where we said we were going to go. Uh, but the job of leadership is to both define that horizon point, where you're going to be in 10 years, but then break it down into smaller, more manageable goals. And so year by year, you make progress 
towards that horizon point and you are reminding your many constituents, your, your faculty, your staff, your students, your parents, your alumni, the progress that you're making and why you're going to that place. So communication is a, um, is a really, really important part of leadership and, and strategic planning. But so is execution. So many organizations do strategic plans and then they never follow through on them. They don't execute the plan. And I think that's something that, that Elon has done really well is every year to think about, all right, what progress are we gonna to make towards the plan this year? And how are we budgeting institutionally to make sure that we're gonna achieve our, our goals? It's not hard to understand. It's pretty simple, actually. It's, it's harder to, to do than it is to say. But we, over the last 20 or 30 years at Elon, I think have really developed a strong culture of, of visioning and planning. And the funny thing is, is that once you begin to experience success in this arena, that people give you the benefit of the doubt the next time you set out a plan and say we want to do something really ambitious, people are, are going to get on board more easily because you've built trust in the process of doing what you said you were going to do. It's incredible how much Elon has changed over time. And, and I know one of the big changes that the campus experienced was just purely the addition of buildings. I believe it was 100 buildings were added uh, during your time as president. Um, how do you maintain focus on that plan? I know, you know, there's so many possibilities, right? Especially when you're a visionary, there's you know, so many different ways and routes to get to something. So how, how do you keep focus on, on where you really want to go with so many different possibilities? You, you mentioned 100 buildings, and that references the university's facilities master plan, which is really not not even a 10-year plan. It's more of a 25- a or 30-year plan. Um, it's, it's very important for institutions to have long-term visions. I think one of the problems with our society today is that we are very focused on the short term the next election, the next quarter in business. And that's very dangerous. It's dangerous for businesses. It's dangerous for educational institutions. It's dangerous for governments. We have to be more long-term thinking, I think, and thinkers in, in every dimension of our, of our society. So we, in, in formulating a long-term master plan at Elon, a couple of things are important to mention one of which is we brought in experts. We brought in people who really know um, what they're doing and helped other institutions like UNC and Wake Forest develop their, their long-term master plan. And, and you begin to see, okay, I understand where we need to go. So what are the, what are the big rocks in the jar, so to speak, in order, to, in order for us to get there? For Elon, uh, one of those things, I think the biggest one was we needed to buy the Elon Elementary School, a public elementary school in Alamance County, and trade the county a brand new elementary school for the old one uh, because it, their elementary school was smack in the middle of our campus. Uh, we've since done that, built the new school, torn down the old one, and that gives us a you know a 
canvas to work on for the next 15 years um, and and think about the the physical development of our campus in a really planful orderly orderly way the big thing here I think is is a is a very long-term vision you will end up with a very different campus if you've got a 30-year view as opposed to coming in and year by year deciding to slap a building here and slap a building there and put another one here and all of a sudden it looks like an architectural you know mishmash if if you want something that's more coherent you have to have a longer term vision absolutely and i think that you know that applies to buildings i think that can apply to to ideas and, and initiatives and programming and how curriculum exactly yeah. how does exactly. that fit into the bigger picture of where we are trying to go so uh, that definitely resonates with a lot of how we kind of talk about leadership and what that means and, and having that vision so that definitely affirms a lot of what we teach our students and and how we operate i think as a school yeah but um and, and one of the struggles we have too you know gabby and i discuss it is the life cycle for our students is four years and at what point do they buy into owning the culture um you know you talk about a 25-year plan and and students life cycle isn't 25 years how do you get them to buy into the future of a place that they're not going to be at well i think um you need to stress i'm sure you do and i'm sure i know that we do that it's not a four-year relationship it's a lifetime relationship your your relationship with your undergraduate alma mater is something that's going to last for the rest of your life and and hopefully it will be an important part of your life forever and i would i would think that you would make the very same point about your school would you not so that would be one point that this is this is going to be a part of you i would start there i also think it's important to well, let me just let me just end it there. I don't want to I don't want to ramble on too much. No, you're right on. I mean, I, I don't know if we also mentioned it, but Gabby and I are both Cardinal Gibbons alumni, also. Yeah. <laughs> so we are. Oh, are you? Yes. <laughs> so yeah, we, we totally you stumbled get that. on. You, you mentioned a you mentioned a huge word in your question, Brent, and and that word was culture. Gibbons has a strong culture. Elon has a strong culture. If you have a strong culture, that's ninety percent of the game, and. Leadership. I, I think if I learned any one thing in a almost twenty years, twenty year presidency at, at Elon, is that the fundamental job of leaders is to steward a culture, and it's the most important thing that we do. And the kinds of cultures that are planful, that are student oriented, that create transformational experiences, learning experiences for students that are non-transactional. This doesn't happen everywhere. In fact, it's probably rarer than we know. And so cultures are precious. They need to be very, very carefully stewarded. The other point that I will come back to and make about about a student having only a four-year relationship with an institution, time is a very funny thing. You can say 40 years to a college student or to a high school student and think, oh, that's forever. You know, that's way down the road. But a 40-year period of time in the life of any institution is actually quite short. It's one person's career. We've had faculty at Elon who have had 40-year careers here and have seen tremendous change. And that happened in the space of one person's career. Um, 
time flies by. It goes by so quickly. And it, it's why, again, that long-term perspective is important because, because we say 10 years and we think, oh my God, that's, that's forever. It's not. It's going to be here before we know it. We're already in 2020. Can you believe it? I can't, and, I can't uh, believe time, it. Time marches on quickly and we can't lose sight of that. I have to kind of sit on that. That's incredible stuff. Thinking about all the things that you're talking about, culture, and and how much that depends on a lot of what we talked about in relationships with people. Um, I can imagine, you know, our students really, when they hear the the title of a president, right, they kind of think of maybe somebody that makes these kind of overarching choices and, and they're kind of the final say. And this is true, but we also know, and I think you know and I know, that you're working with a team of people to do a lot of these things. And I think that that's something that I think our young people, especially in high school, is this really is the first time that they're really collaborating. Um, they can definitely face a lot of challenges. And I know, you know, in this process of implementing these two strategic plans, you've worked with and collaborated with a lot of people to make this happen. And that's not really a one-person job. So what advice do you have for, for our students and, and honestly for educators and Parents, I mean, collaboration is challenging. What advice do you have to make collaboration successful? Well, first of all, I would just endorse everything that you just so eloquently said. I think it is about teamwork. And it is about, you know, getting everybody rowing in the same same direction. Um, It's about recognizing that planning is not just top-down. It's not a president having a vision and telling everyone this is the direction we're going in. It's really deep listening and thinking about where are all the grassroots ideas that are really good and how do, how do they bubble up and, 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 and become part of the plan for our organization as well. I'm teaching a graduate class uh, beginning next month in um, leadership and organizational change at Elon. And so I've been thinking and reading and reflecting a lot about leadership in preparation for teaching this class. And I, I think I've come to the conclusion that the most important quality of a leader is humility. I think when young people hear about leadership, you think, oh, well, she's the boss, she's got the vision, she knows where we're going, and everyone's going to follow her. But that's really, you know, that's not how it works. Um, leaders have, everybody has a limited field of vision, right? You can, we all have our blind spots. We can, we can only see through certain lenses, certain perspectives. And so we are reliant on others to help us enlarge our field of vision so we see more clearly and we see a, a, a wider perspective. We understand more. A sure way to failure is to is to march quickly uh, towards something where you've you've got a very limited field of vision and you don't know what you're getting into. So, a good president is always going to be reliant on listening to a faculty, his his or her faculty, and and listening to their board of trustees because they're going those two groups are going to be bring very different perspectives on on any issue and and listening to boards and councils and alumni you know if you're not listening as a leader and trying to consciously expand your field of vision so you really understand 
everything that's going on around you, all around you, you're not doing your job. This is just honestly a dream of mine right now to be talking with you because I know all of us, all of my friends during our time at Elon, I, I know we all just looked up to you so much and we're always just, any chance to hear you speak or, um, you know, just to, to be around you it was always a blessing. So getting to hear these things from you, especially now having had some experience, more experience in leadership and hearing you affirm a lot of the things that I learned while at Elon, but also working here is just uh, really, really incredible. Really, really incredible. Yeah, thank you so much for uh, for taking the time. Can't wait to, to see what the book looks like and, and all of my friends and family that uh, have gone through Elon. Um, it's a special place. You guys are doing unbelievable work, and, and we model a lot of what we are doing here at Cardinal Gibbons um, through what we're seeing you guys do. I have, one, I have one last question for you, Dr. Lambert. You know, as we move forward as a school and we're really working on enhancing leadership development opportunities for our students, what experiences or opportunities do you think are the most important for us to provide to our student leaders, our educators? What, what do you think they really need? What kind of training or development um, should we really focus on from your perspective? That's a really interesting question, and it harkens back to the, the Elon 101 class I taught the, the first years this year. Um, I think a lot of it is um, simply exposure to to a wide variety of leaders, having an opportunity for students to listen, interact, reflect, learn from. And, and I, I think the other piece of this that we've already talked about is this intentional cultivation of mentors, helping students understand that this journey is something that you can't do and shouldn't do on your own. This isn't about charging off in a in a direction because you've self-anointed yourself as a as a leader. Good leaders are are self-reflective and they're self-correcting and and they're um, and they're responsive to advice and and challenge uh, given to them by by others. So the more opportunities you can give young people to experience reflective practice, the better. It's as simple as that. Well, well we are incredibly grateful for your time, for your wisdom, for just getting to talk with you um, many years after graduating. Uh, we're really, really grateful. So thank you so much for, for sharing all this with us. And you're always welcome on our campus at Cardinal Gibbons anytime that you're in Raleigh. Um, and I look forward to, to coming back to Elon and just continuing to see what tremendous growth you're experiencing and, and sending as many of our Cardinal Gibbons students there. I know uh, I feel as though we have very similar cultures and I think that's one of the reasons why I loved your campus. So I look forward to, to learning more from you and sharing everything that you shared with us today with, with our community. So thank you. Well, thank you. And thank you for the good work that the two of you are doing. There's no more important work in the world than shaping the hearts and minds and spirits of young people. So congratulations to both of you for choosing that path because people are going to remember you 30 or 40 years from now and, and the way that you've changed their lives. So thank you for your service too. Thank you so much. Thanks so much, Dr. Lambert.